And I think too few Black girls, especially those that might be in the foster care system, have those spaces where regardless of how they're saying, like, are you listening to what they are saying, not the tone that they are delivering that message in. Welcome to What the Foster, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the voiceless. In past episodes, we have focused on the often unheard and invisible population of youth currently and formerly in foster care. This episode, we're switching gears and talking to a researcher whose work has important implications for understanding youth in care. Dr. Shauna Leith is an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Virginia. She spends her time thinking about and researching issues related to the holistic development of Black girls and women in the context of families, schools, and communities. How do we support and allow Black students, Black youth, Black adults to be the healthiest and fullest and most whole versions of themselves. Shauna was a first-generation college student. And as a high-achieving student, she was told she should be a doctor or a lawyer. But then she discovered psychology research, and she ended up looking to University of Michigan for grad school. And so there, there were scholars there doing stuff on racial socialization and discrimination and stereotyping and identity development. And they were doing the work in families and in schools and communities. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, it's <laughs> just like the Mecca of what I wanted to do. Shauna was discouraged by the lack of research on the strengths of Black women and girls. One, I usually found like fewer studies on Black women and girls specifically. And I think sometimes the work that I did find, like if you look at sexual kind of risks and behaviors, a lot of times the scholarship you find in public health will focus on, for instance, like teenage pregnancies or sexually transmitted infections. And so you find this particular lens when you see scholarship on Black women and girls that's very, again, like deficit-based or it's focusing on problems or Black girls as problems. Um, And I was much more interested in kind of doing scholarship that focuses on like not only our strengths, but but like our our lived experiences and our voices. Part of her research is acknowledging the impacts of stereotypes on people's lived experiences. There's some big broad stereotypes of like black women and black girls, right? Um, And some of them that we know are kind of like the angry black woman stereotype or the sassy black girl, which kind of the stereotype again, of black women as like irrationally angry. You see it and we we see media stereotypes of black women be kind of being emasculating in relationships, um, maybe berating other people, right? You kind of see it a little bit in like the Olivia Pope trope, or you see it in How to Get Away with Murder with Annalise Keating. We have other stereotypes um, of Black women, so like the hypersexual Black woman trope, which dates back to enslavement and kind of the sexual exploitation of enslaved Black women. One of the important parts about stereotype is how as an ideology, it then informs kind of social policies and social actions, and it kind of justifies how Black women and Black girls are treated. For Black girls, there are studies coming out Um, showing that, for instance, Black girls are perceived as more adult-like and less innocent and less pure, even as early as like age 9 and 10, when compared to white girls. And so Black girls and Black children don't get the perceived innocence in the same way as white children or some children from other racial and ethnic groups. And I think that's important even in thinking about the recent judgment they handed down for Tamir Rice, who was 12, um, when he was playing with a shotgun in a park and police showed up on the scenes and he was killed, right? And so the police officer said, well, he looked like he was 22. He was 12. When I look at Tamir Rice and a lot of the pictures they've circulated, I see a child, right? And so again, thinking about how stereotypes, in that case of Black boys, is maybe being physically dangerous, then impact how they are treated by others in society. 
some of the other stereotypes, there's kind of the mammy, which is related to like black women um, being domestic servants and kind of taking care of everyone else's family beyond their own. And again, we see the mammy tying back to enslavement, but also manifesting like black women being relegated to domestic service roles in the 1940s and 1950s and 1960s and even today. And then we see things like um, the strong black woman stereotype. So this one is supposed to kind of be as positive where it's like black women as unrelenting and black women as like courageous and they're kind of like overcoming adversity and they're strong and this is Oprah and this is Michelle Obama, right? I actually, I asked about these stereotypes in some recent um, interviews I did like a year ago. And a lot of times young black women in college would say like my mom, my grandma, my aunt, like they're strong black women, I wanna be like them. If black women or black girls over endorse it or too strongly endorse it, then they're more resistant to being vulnerable. They're less likely to ask for help. Um, they're more likely to report higher symptoms of stress or anxiety or depression, because again, this expectation to be strong um, can be harmful. Shauna highlights how these stereotypes impact Black women's individual experiences. I, always, I love to say that Black women, and it's not just me, so this is like other scholars, right, other folks in the field who've been doing great work around this, but that Black women are expected to individually overcome structural oppression, and that's a problem. And so then we say like, oh, no matter what adversity comes your way, whether it's not receiving, not being paid enough for your labor or not having housing security or, you know, being treated poorly in school settings or in workplace settings, but you will overcome because you are so strong, it's ridiculous. And then we see Black women, you know, dying at higher rates of things like cardiovascular disease or cancers. So when I think about my research, a lot of it is one, acknowledging that these stereotypes still have relevance, and then sometimes thinking about how they can manifest for Black girls or Black women today. A project that I'm really excited about getting off the ground, which is going to be talking about um, with those Black college women, kind of high achieving Black girls, and how perfectionism, while it can be great for being a good student in schools, can be maladaptive and can lead into kind of the strong Black woman stereotype and this pressure to like achieve in this way. They were also kind of tokenized in that identity where it was like they were the only black girl in a lot of their classes and so they felt like the need to stay at the top at all costs the kind of this double-edged sword where it can be great to push black girls or to push students in general right um to be the best they can be but when they are then kind of expected to be superhuman when does it become maladaptive and when does it become harmful it also feeds into capitalism right so like we're worth as much as we're able to be productive and that's just not the case. And I think for Black women and Black folks, our labor within capitalism has always been exploited and overexploited. Um, and so I think it's always important to think about the ways that we can be harmed when we're in these systems that do not care about our bodies and do not care about our wellness. So I'm really excited about that paper. <laughs> Shauna has experienced the fear of being impoverished in discriminatory institutions. I remember when my daughter was born. I was in grad school. And I'd read some work by Dorothy Roberts. And so she has this book called Shattered Bonds. And she has this book on like black women's reproductive capacity. But Shattered Bonds, it specifically focuses on like foster care and child services and family social services um, and the racism within family social services. And I remember reading it and I was so terrified that my daughter was going to be taken away for like months. It was this, you know, irrational kind of postpartum anxiety. But how irrational was it? Because Dorothy Roberts, you know, she laid out all these facts of how families are broken up and how we can see racial disparities and whether children are actually being abused or neglected versus them being poor. Parents having to make decisions that are hard, but again, like not having adequate childcare services or not having adequate family support. And in black families that leading to more family separation versus in white families leading to more access to social services, right? 
I was like, I'm poor. Like I was in grad school. It was so interesting to be in these two spaces where like I was getting my PhD, which made me very like financially poor, but it also like I'm highly educated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd be like, we were on food stamps and I'd be in the WIC office. They would always be surprised at what I was doing because I think there was, and they would always ask questions that were way too intrusive. I remember one time she, you know, dietitian asked like if I'd been on birth control and I said like oh actually I had been and then she was like well I always say like two forms of birth control then she was asking if the father was still involved so again Mm -hmm. um all of these stereotypes about black motherhood and black black women's reproduction and the choices that we make in family planning and the assumptions she was making about me being lower income and how that allowed her to treat me in a way that she would not have treated someone um who might have not been in the WIC office that she you know would assume was higher income or more educated I felt the surveillance of needing food stamps and needing WIC. And it was such a relief when I graduated and was able to earn a livable wage for me and my kids. And like I became a professor because I wanted to be out from under state surveillance. While acknowledging racist institutions, Shauna understands that we must prioritize the safety of children. It's such a complicated question because also we don't want to leave children in abusive households, right? Like, I'll also say that with knowing that in some of my parenting groups, there are these beautiful Black families who have fostered children and adopted children and who have, and several of them have actually been kind of like fictive kin networks or they are related to the kids in some way and an auntie has taken them in or a grandma, I think is beautiful. Um, And so there are also stories where I understand um, and truly believe that the children are in safer and better homes. One of my friends, she's a foster mom now, and the biological mom, she has substance abuse issues, right? So if we had proper addiction treatment for parents, you know, how many how many fewer kids might be taken? And so just imagining what it would look like to have a complete overhaul of the foster care system, it, it makes me sad, even as I'm very happy that she's a wonderful foster mother, because I'm sad that her children were separated from her and she struggles with substance abuse and she struggles with not having adequate housing. And she she ended up, you know, she, I believe she dropped out of school early and she's with um, an abusive partner, right? And so I think I have a lot of stories like that where I have to, we have to hold multiple truths at the same time around the foster care system. Shauna also talked about how important it is for white families adopting Black children to talk about race and take race seriously. So when I was in Ann Arbor, there were a lot of transracial families. And when I say transracial, I specifically mean there were a lot of white families who either were fostering or were adopting Black children. And I'm actually, I'm biracial too. My mom is white, my dad's Black. So then we, we get at this where, why it's so important, I think, to have an understanding of racial stereotypes and to care about, for instance, anti-racism and then thinking about foster care, thinking about family separation. One of the stronger narratives I would say we have is this idea of like, it's so fortunate for Black children or BIPOC children or children from these, you know, poor, impoverished families to get to land with these beautiful middle-class white families. Shauna recalls seeing a one-woman show written and performed by a Black transracial adoptee. And she was talking about all of these trauma experiences with her adopted white family, including like one instance was her mom got tired of trying to do her hair and she just cut it off. And she was like eight, right? Or she was saying not going out in the sun because you'll be too dark and you won't be like your cousins who were white, right? Or, and then I think the hard part about that as a child being in a family with your adults or your caregivers is that the power differential, but also that was her mom. And so then her getting in trouble if she said anything back and she talked back, right? Like what it means to kind of have conversations around race and how prepared some of these families are to raise Black children. If parents or caregivers don't take seriously enough stereotypes about Black girls being adultified or stereotypes about Black boys um, being physically dangerous or harmful before your child is harmed in whatever system, in school systems or other spaces. 
but the over again that the narrative of like it's a good thing I think that's still too prevalent where it's like are we taking seriously the families they were torn from and why that happened there's this beautiful show called this is us love the show in the show there's a black kid who gets adopted by the white family which is really shady because it's like why did you get to just take this little black boy home from the fire station but whatever but into season five they finally show like his bio family his mom and his dad and they struggle with addiction and it's beautifully timed it's like 1980s it's crack right or it's heroin something like that and you finally see that the mom had all these dreams for her son right like she and but her dreams were also like specific to what might have been possible for them in being Black and being poor at that time. So her dreams were to move like two stories up to a nicer apartment so that her son could have light in his bedroom. And she wanted to become a manager um, at the store she worked at. But in fact, the white girl who worked there, who she trained, got the job and she didn't. And then these dreams start dwindling out. The Black boy in the story also never, he talks about like seeing when I think Rodney King was beat and his family didn't watch it with him. So he was like 12 having to process Maybe it's a dramatized version, but it does speak to how is race being brought up in households where Black children are being raised. And I think there are plenty of white families and white parents who do a great job at it, but it takes intentional work. The assumption can't be that just having the money and being willing to love this child is enough because they have to exist in society. When they step outside of your home where you may love them, how are they being treated? How are they being perceived? And how are you preparing them, I would say, to live in this society? Shauna values healing and giving people the tools monetarily and emotionally to heal. Part of the importance of socio-emotional development for kids in the foster system and people in general is being able to process your experience and have language for your experiences. Being able to say like this happened not because of anything that had to do with me, but to situate that outside of yourself and then be able to think about like who am I and what do I want to do? And, and then having access to that. So when you were telling me about some of the great things that Umbrella's doing, I'm like that it's so it's such important work because even when I'm thinking about like black students in higher education and I'm talking about like institutional racial climate or doing like equity justice work, I'm like part of it in this capitalistic society is to have funds and to have capital to be able to do the things that matter and things as basic as like being able to have a computer or being able to have stable housing or having access to health insurance. Shauna wants to move towards understanding the wellness of Black women. It's definitely one of the areas I'm heading into where it's like thinking about how Black women and girls are doing in our wellness. How do you raise a healthy Black girl? Or how can you be a healthy Black woman? And that will look like so many different things for so many different folks. One of the reasons like the angry Black woman stereotype matters when I think about teen girls or I think about Black girls in the foster care system is because I imagine that and Monique Morris writes about this in Push Out and Black Girls Being Pushed Out of Schools. When Black girls have attitudes, right, or Black girls are being, being seen as sassy or being seen as disrespectful, if folks are less willing to kind of push past how they feel treated by like a teen or by, by a child to actually provide the help that they likely need around socio-emotional wellness and socio-emotional development. It's so funny with my kids, my daughter, she's six. She has so much to say. Sometimes she does not say it in the best way that is most helpful for like, <laughs> for anybody actually, right? There's a lot of insulting things going on out of the six-year-old mouth. But also I'm the adult and I'm the caregiver and I'm the person who is supposed to, to be a safe space for her, right? So then how do I respond to help her get to a point where she can communicate her feelings in a way that 
that is helpful and does help us get to a solution or whatever it is that she needs in that moment. And I think too few Black girls, especially those that might be in the foster care system, have those spaces where regardless of how they're saying, like, are you listening to what they are saying, not the tone that they are delivering that message in. Overall, Shauna believes that expanding our understanding of family is integral to creating a sense of wellness in our youth. Even for Black families, when there's this idea that like Black families are dysfunctional because maybe dads are locked up or supposedly, you know, men are in the, in the family, it, it's a particular narrative that doesn't necessarily honor the importance of like fictive kin networks. Or like when I was mentioning all those Black families that I know where like an aunt or a grandma took the kid in, the shame and stigma associated with that is because it's based on this idea that you should have a father and a mother and the kids in the house and that's who you live with. That shame and stigma was reduced, right? And it's like, no, your family is beautiful with your grandma and with your aunt and with the kids. Or maybe your your family is beautiful if you are also a foster child or you're living in a group home. We just kind of expand how we think about care along with actually like having food and security and emotional wellness, but also this idea of just like your family is good in the way that it exists. And family also can change forms over time. Thank you so much for listening. For more stories about foster care, follow us on social media at umbrella.nj or visit futureisfamily.org. To find out more about Umbrella, go to umbrella.org.